So after college, my first job after college, I worked as a program associate with the Leon Levine Foundation. Um, it was actually during that job um, that I first met with Children's Home Society um, and learned more about foster care. I was 25, I was single, and I thought this was something that I could do. I could provide maybe short-term respite care, so for a weekend or a week if another foster family needed um, to go out of town for some reason or something, but I, I did not foresee it being a long-term um, commitment or something really that was going to change my life in the way it has. I received the call for Katie, who actually went um, by a different name at the time, um, and learn, I think they told me about three or four things about her. They said, she's a six-year-old girl. She lives about um, an hour outside of Charlotte. She has a lot of energy. Katie came on February 13th, 2018, and I think that will be a day that both of us remember very well for the rest of our lives. Well, I learned more that she was not going to be able to return um, home to her birth family is um, when I first then considered adoption. And so it really felt like it was a matter of making it official and legal and, and going through the process, which was important for sure and important um, that we commemorate those changes and, and for her to you know, have an adoption ceremony and, and for her name to change and things like that. But um, I think in my heart and, and what I knew is that, is that she was my daughter and I was not letting her go anywhere. You know, my plan in the beginning was to be somewhat of a glorified babysitter, and I thought that was what would be great in my calling in foster care, and I had a heart for kids, and I, and I wanted to help, but that was, that was my plan, and that was not God's plan. I don't have to have all of the answers or know the entire plan right at the beginning, um, but really just being called to the next yes um, and the next step is is what's important. But that was a special day because um, our family got to be here for it. Um, so my siblings were all there and my parents, so um, her aunts and uncles, her grandparents, um, and a number of others who had sort of walked along the journey with us. So her guardian ad litem, social workers, things like that. So um, we got to be there and you, um, as part of a, press a uh, seal into some paper, um, which she thought was fun. We did that maybe five or six times. Things had quieted down a little. It was just the two of us. Um, and she looked up and she said, Mom, am I really a Murphy? Like, is, is it official now? And I, and I got to be like, yes, Katie, you, you are Murphy. Your name, you are Katie Murphy, and, and you are part of this family forever. It's really a mystery in a sense, I think. And something that can be difficult, I think, for people to understand. Um, because I didn't meet her until she was six, and I didn't give birth to her. But um, with everything that I know and am, she is my daughter. Wow, yeah. Can we thank Katie and Mary for sharing your story, and Mary for sharing your life? at every campus and online. This is a part of who we are as a church, and I'm glad that you're joining us together. We wanted to show that story because of a couple of things. We've been at Forest Hill involved in the issue of orphans and the millions of children who are affected by this all over the world, and many right here locally. We've been involved in that for years. 
And we've got dozens of people like Mary who have chosen to take this step and either adopt or to foster. It's important work, we take it seriously. And today I wanna let you know about a new opportunity in that. Uh, we've got a chance with a new partner called Lifeline that we are able to help anybody who would like to take a step towards this to engage and, and get over some of the hurdles, some of the things that are just part of making this huge decision. Because there are real hurdles there, things about how does this change my family or my life for the rest of my life and financial hurdles and, and all kinds of uncertainty. And we wanna be able to come alongside and help you take that step. So if you text ORPHAN to the number on the screen, 888-217-3471, if you text ORPHAN, one of three things can happen. First, you can learn more about everything that we're doing here and just kind of get a heart for this issue. That's one thing. The second is that you can engage in supporting one of the families or one of the people through our church who is involved in this actively. Uh, maybe that's because you've been there before and you wanna offer what you've learned. Maybe it's emotional support. It could be financial as well. And then the third way is to actually, if you think Maybe you showed up today or watching today and, and you knew this was a part of your future. God's been kind of digging at you on that and you're ready to take a step, then we will help walk you through each of these steps to the end. And one of the things that we're gonna do is we're taking $50,000 from our outreach budget and we're using that for 10 families to help them overcome this cost, which is a huge part of that. That is all because of your generosity and we are grateful for that. So text ORPHAN to that number and let's move on this thing that is really, really sensitive and close to God's heart. So thank you. Um, we are continuing, it's a perfect setup for the last message in our series today called Cutting Through the Noise, where we've been looking at how do you become wise in a world that's not? And we've been looking at the, the book of Proverbs for wisdom from God about how to live the life that he says is possible and that he invites us into. And, and it's really difficult because there are lots of voices, lots of noise that are trying to distract us from who God says we are to be, who we can become. And so as we begin this message today, we're talking about generosity. And, and adoption is in my mind, one of the most generous things that a person can do. To choose to open your life completely in that way is just unbelievable, it goes against the grain. And we get that because of a God who's generous. So I wanna ask you before we take any uh, jumping into the content itself, I wanna ask you to just think about this question. Wherever you are today, wherever you are in, in your progress and growth, are you becoming more generous than you were last year? Who are you becoming? Are you a more generous person? And I know with 2020, man, that feels like a loaded question and that's not fair. I stacked the deck against you when I asked because this is a tough year. But I'm gonna show you in a few minutes that the reality around you does not have to affect how you answer this question. When you go to, to your grave one day, will the people gathered look and talk about you as a person who is generous? That's what God says is actually wise. So there's a ton of scripture in Proverbs about this idea. I'm gonna read a couple of them and then we're gonna focus on how to make it practical and give us some steps to do that today. So we're gonna start in Proverbs 3 and if you're able, would you stand as we read together? I'm gonna read two different passages of scripture, first from Proverbs 3 and then from Proverbs 11. Proverbs 3 verses nine through 10 say this. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with wine. 
Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says this. One person gives freely, yet gains more. Another withholds what is right only to become poor. A generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. Some translations say the one who refreshes will themselves be refreshed. This is God's word. You guys can take a seat. Fort Mill, there's a paradox in generosity. There is something about those scriptures that we just read and the way most of us experience the world that seem to highlight a difference between what God says is possible and what we actually walk through, right? This one verse where he says, uh, where Solomon writing to his son says, there are people who give freely, who live open-handedly, and yet it seems like they always have enough. They never seem to run out. You ever notice somebody like that? That's, that's a way that God has developed the universe. It's part of the, the law that he has put into it, that we can live open-handedly with abundance and we seem to always have more. And then, also paradoxically, there's the person who holds on really tight and hoards and, and tries to put aside and is fearful and they end up becoming poor. Now, Proverbs is a book about principles. It's not promises. Not everything happens exactly the way it says all the time, but in general, what we find is that this is truth, that many people who make their life about trying to hoard end up either having the very thing they fear come upon them and losing it, or maybe just as powerfully, when you get so focused on having and holding what you've gotten, when you, when you get really insulated and self-centered, you always need more. Even if you don't physically lose it, you always think, I gotta have more, this is not enough, it's not enough, I need more. Either one of those ways are ways of life that are not what God intends for us. So as we look today at this idea of generosity, there must be something else, some key to living the way God says is possible that he desires, and I want us to find it by looking at what I'm gonna call the bag of generosity. The bag of generosity, the basis, the actions, and the goal of generosity. Some of you are thinking about securing the bag right now. I'm gonna tell you, if you've done that, then it's time to open it up and let's live generously with it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Others of you are like, what is this guy's issue? Here's what I mean. We're gonna look at the basis, kind of how do we begin to live as generous people, and we're gonna find out some practical ways to put it in, and then what happens when we do. Here's why this is so important. Because the basis of all generosity is God's abundance and generousness, generosity to us. That's where we gotta start. I'm gonna give you the story of the world in just a couple of minutes real quick. Here's how it goes. It all begins in a place of scarcity, of nothingness, of darkness. And in that, God speaks words. Have you ever noticed how generous God is with his words? He speaks words and life appears. And in that, he starts to create and fashion a world that is full of potential, that's full of all the things we could possibly want. He puts creatures, he makes fertile wheat fields that will provide food and will provide provision for people. He, have you ever thought about this? God actually sunk diamonds into the earth and created the process that would make these things that are rich and that are precious so that we would find them and choose to use them as currency. God put everything into his world out of abundance and then at just the right moment, he uses a word and he creates man and woman. He puts humans into his world. And in that place, he says, I want you to live just like I would. 
I've given you everything that you need and in more. And I want you to just live the way I would if I was in your place. Be open-handed, be abundant. Invite more and more to come in and experience the flourishing of all that I am and all that I have. God is like giddy with trying to see us, what we'll do with all this potential he's put in. And right off the bat, we decide to spend it all on ourselves. We choose from the very beginning, Adam and Eve did, and you and I have done it every day since, we choose to just spend what he's given us, our breath, our life, our stuff, on building our own kingdom and our own power. And so all of that, it racks up this huge debt that we have a debt of actual treason against God. And so then he begins to make promises that it's not always gonna stay this way. He makes prophecies about how he's gonna come and remedy the problem. He makes covenants with people to say, through this, I will rectify it and get you back because you're lost and you can't pay this debt. And then he sends himself in Jesus, who scripture calls the word. Could he be more generous with words? And he comes on his own into our world. And he teaches us about grace and truth. And he tells us how we could live the way he's living. He invites us into that. And then, as God always does, he doesn't just use words. He puts action into it, his love. And Jesus goes to a cross and he pays the penalty for the debt. Because we lived on credit that we could not return. He pays off the debt and he says, how about these words? It is finished. No longer do you have to stay separated, it's done. Now come in and let's start doing this thing the right way together. That is the history of the world and where we find us. Your story, my story, what happened from there, it's all just another chapter, but that's how we got to where we are. And everything about living generously has to go back to that basis. Because I'll tell you this, there are lots of folks outside of a relationship with God who perform generous acts. And culture will tell us, culture will say that what you have determines how generous you can be. What you have determines how generous you can be. God says your faith determines how generous you can become. That your trust in that story and that basis of God being good to us is the, the foundation from which we can live open-handedly. And so he invites us to do it with him. And then he gives us everything that we need for life on this side of eternity and then everything forever. That is the story and the mission of God. And you have to start here because generosity without Jesus still leaves you empty. There are people, you can turn this into a performance, into a work, and to just try and to perform actions that are generous to find meaning and fulfillment. And apart from Jesus, it doesn't work. But when you find the freedom of being brought into God's family, you get fulfilled by living a generous life. That's the basis of it all. Some of you, your next yes, Mary said that in our video, your next yes needs to be to say yes to God that I surrender to your generosity and trust that that's enough. But then we don't stop with just, with just that word or, or just God's part in this. We actually now have to move into, into living out our own lives. And what we find is that God designed us to be generous people. It's like he knew what it would take for you and I to live the life he wants us to live and he knew best how to help us be fulfilled and he says the way to do it is to be generous. And so he creates us to just feed off of an abundant, open-handed life. This is why being stingy is so miserable because you were made to live wide open. I was made to live this way. So 
Last week, Jonathan and Nick Dusenberry, our CFO, they did a great message on how to use money and personal finance and how to be able to follow God's principles. And one of the things that they talked about was this book called God and Money by Cortinas and Bomber. And I wanna, in light of this, I wanna show you a quote from that. The authors say this, say, God loves us and he wants the best for us. And he knows because he made us that we thrive most when we're giving ourselves away we are actually experiencing the best life when we are giving ourselves away. So he calls us to be givers, not tithers, not donors, but radical all-in givers. Wide open life. My definition for generosity that I wanna use for the rest of today is a lifestyle of doing good to others because of the good that's been done to you a lifestyle of doing good to others because you recognize the basis of God's generosity to you. That's what it means to live a generous life. But here's what we all know. God is so generous that not only does he say, this is the way I want you to live, but then God chooses to make us, doing what he says, make our obedience something that brings us fulfillment. Because for generosity to work, it's two parts. It's trust and it's obedience. And sometimes you need more of the one than the other. In a moment where you're feeling real trusting, you need to just act and be obedient. And sometimes we don't feel like we're, we have enough. We don't feel like we can trust God and you need to act in that moment too. We do it out of obedience. When we do that, God always rewards. It's so crazy to me that God would choose to say, when you do what I tell you to do, I'm actually gonna pay you for it. Like any, any of you that have kids, do you have this rule in your house that uh, it'd be like having the rule that you have to make your bed before you leave the day, you know, for the day. And I don't wanna walk past your room and see the door open and see your bed unmade. It'd be like having that rule and saying, this is the way we live in the Smith house. That bed is always gonna be made. And then as soon as they make it, you drop a $20 bill on the pillow. Who would do that? God would do that. He would say, I want you to obey and be generous. And guess what? When you do, I'm gonna fill up your house. I am gonna reward you and restore to you and bring to you blessing by doing what I tell you. It's crazy. God is full of generosity. This whole idea reminds me of probably my favorite part of being a parent to this point. Um, When the kids were little, I got to be a bath guy. Like, I mean, not that I take baths, like I was the one who, Jessica was generous to do all the hard stuff so I got to be the fun person. So I got to do the bath and it was so much fun because you know, we, we did it like many of you grew up experiencing that. We, we would go in there and we would have all the toys that were needed for this, not to just be, you know, fulfilling the command of staying clean, but like enjoying that time. So we had all kinds of toys. I'd run the water and it would be that perfect temperature that's exactly right to make you comfortable. You know, and, and, and you have to take a bath, right? Come on, you, you, we have to take a bath, right? We're not gonna go remedial on this. Yes, we have to take a bath. I command you to take baths. When you do it with little kids though, you get to have fun. And so I'd call Charlotte and I'd invite her to come get in. And, and she'd get in the bath and we'd play with sharks and dolphins. And I know more about Mermaidia and Barbie stuff than any man should know. But, but we just had a blast doing that. And then it would be like splashing, you know, you'd get to that, like I'd splash her and she'd splash and it'd be on the ceiling and on the walls and on the floor. And Jessica would hear that and you know, we'd play a trick on her and be like, hey, come up here, we gotta come see this. And then as soon as she walked in, we'd splash her. You guys done that before? Yeah, just me? 
Okay, this is gonna answer some of the counseling questions I've got. But we would do all that stuff and just have a, a ton of fun. You know what Charlotte never did during those bath times? She never looked at me and be like, don't splash my water out of this tub. What are you doing? Splashing mom with that, that's mine. What if we run out? What if there's not enough? Never, she didn't make the water. She didn't know how the water, she didn't pay for the water. All she knew is that we were gonna share this with whoever came in the room, whether they liked it or not. And, and if, there, if there was less than what we needed, I'd just turn on the faucet. I think this is the way God views all of the abundance that he's given us. It's like he's going, come on, let's splash. Come get in this water of grace. I have given you grace in so many ways and in so many forms, and he invites us to be a part of it with him. And then he's like, and I don't want you to keep it to yourself. Spread it around. Splash the walls, splash your friends, splash your neighbors, and if we get low, I'll turn on the faucet. That's how easy it is for a God of abundance to allow us to live this open-handed, generous life. But often we gotta take that next step of action. So can I show you what this looks like when you put it in practice? Uh, this is in another letter, another letter in the Bible. It's written by Paul. It's to a church in a place called Corinth. And at that time, Corinth was a wealthy city, probably becoming the most important city in the Roman Empire. And Paul, the context is Paul is writing this letter because he's taking up an offering, a collection of money for a church in Jerusalem. People in Jerusalem, because of their faith and because of following Jesus, they've experienced a tough time. And so he's going around the world and he's getting the resources to bring back to them, asking Corinth to be generous. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's take a look at this together, verse one. He says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace, the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Churches in Macedonia were Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. We've got letters to the Philippians and the Thessalonians. That's this group of people. And he says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy people in Macedonia, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, time out. Sometimes we just read past scriptures like that and don't think about what it says. I don't understand what Paul just said. He said, in a moment, their extreme joy on the one hand and their extreme poverty on the other one came together in equal generosity. That doesn't make sense to me. Does it make sense to you? I could get it if he said their extreme wealth and their extreme joy came together and led to generosity. That makes sense, you could give if you got plenty. I could even get it if he said their extreme wealth and my incredible guilt trip came together and it resulted in generosity, I could get that. But he doesn't say that. He says in the moment where they felt lack, where they felt as if they had to hold tight because I'm not sure what's happening. To a group of people that wouldn't be called rich necessarily by anyone else in the world, they were so joyful to engage in what God was doing through Paul. They had gone back to the basis of grace so much to get it that they said, we can't wait to give. It shows you that you don't have to be rich to be generous. It shows me that maybe in 2020, a year when lots of us wanna kinda like, ooh, pull back, that we could actually overflow in generosity even when we're not sure about the future. Here's what, what Paul says next. 
I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. This is every nonprofit or pastor or business person's dream. The people were so excited, they said, please take up an offering. We can't wait to give out of this moment of uncertainty with what we have. We're so happy to partner with God and what you're doing. Would you pass the bucket? And, and Paul said, I'm not gonna command you, although I could. I'm not gonna tell you I'm showing up with a big bucket and you better bring your best and drop it in here. He says, I wanna inspire you. Look at what these folks did. Look at how they reflected on God's goodness to them and then acted in response. Chapter nine, he says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And, this is key, God is able to bless you abundantly. More of that grace, there's plenty of water in the tub, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, that's a lot of alls, you will abound in every good work. Paul says when you put obedience with trust and move forward into action, God will show up in ways that will blow your minds. God's grace transforms money, resources, from a means to get into a means to give. It's a really powerful truth of the universe. It turns the stuff that we have into an opportunity to give and bring blessing than just to grab and hold. It reminds me of this. Any of you have, uh, for your work, you've had to use a company credit card, like to do entertaining or stuff like that, you know? Isn't it so fun to be the girl or the guy who's got that card? When you get everybody in the room and you're having that dinner with the clients and the potential clients and you get to be like, yeah, order whatever you want, filet? absolutely wrap that thing in bacon, put a lobster on it, I don't care. I got the company card. We're at dessert, we're having all of them. Bring one of each. You feel like such a big person, you know, it's, it's really fun. Has any of you ever, this happened to me one time, have any of you ever showed up to one of those things and you forgot the company card and now you're dealing with like, uh, you know, Wells Fargo, like my own? Because it's not based on the financial statement of the company, now it's based on mine. And I start going like, um, yeah, I'll just I'll have the eight, eight ounce, six ounce, six ounce uh, sirloins. Fine, I don't need the filet. That's good. And uh, you got any more, you know those green Andes mints? Just bring a lot of those at the end. We're all watching, you know, holiday time. You know, I get all stingy because I'm paying with my stuff. Paul says, act like you're using the company card. See, this, this card is not based on your resource. It's on the company, it's the kingdom, it's God. It's all his anyway. As a matter of fact, can I remind each of us, and I've reminded myself this this week a lot, I don't even have a card. It's all his card. And he says, I want you to spend and use this the way that I would. Because God's all about moving his resources around to meet the needs of people. And he does this in ways that allow us to participate, which brings fulfillment. Isn't that crazy? So uh, I wanna give you three easy action steps. I just wanna say, I'd love for you to choose. You can choose all three of these things, but I'd love for you to engage in this. The first one is this. Just like God was generous with his words, 
right now is the time, man, could we be generous with our words? Because many of us use them, we spend them to try to uh, grab power or, or create something for ourselves or to cut somebody else down. Many of us speak disappointment with our, could right now, and I know there's high pressure right now, but could we be generous? Could you choose to be generous with your words today? Could you speak life to somebody that needs it? Could you honor somebody else at the risk of you possibly not getting the thing that you want because you just made them look good? Could you trust God enough in his abundance to use words well? Second is to give. I'm gonna ask you today to, to choose for so many of you, you've given to this church over and over and you've continued to do that and we are so grateful, but others have pulled back and said, I don't know, right now it feels scary. Um, and I just wanna ask you to consider being generous, not because of anything other than first, the basis of God's abundant generosity to you. Uh, this is a time of year, end of the year for us, like a lot of businesses, this has been a tough year. Um, a lot of nonprofits have experienced this. We told you last week at Forest Hill, our church, we're down about 20 to 30% from our budget from the year before. And the end of the year is a really big deal. It has an outsized effect on what we do the whole year in our budget. So I wanna ask, maybe, maybe you've been continuing to give, but would you consider just like the Macedonians giving generously this time, maybe it'll have an outsized effect on you, not just on our budget. The third thing is, would you consider in generosity texting orphan to that number today and just saying, God, I'm willing to take a step. All three of those are ways of us opening up our hands and our lives and saying, God, I'm trusting you and now I'm gonna be obedient to what's in front of me. Those are ways to put action into the bag of generosity. So we got the basis, we've got the actions, and then finally the goal. The goal of generosity is joy. Always has been, always will be. It's why God has no problem telling us to do this because he knows in the end it, it ends up with our joy. It's joy, bringing joy to us. Paul, the writer of that letter in Corinthians knew this as well. And he wrote, I just wanna share one more scripture with you. He wrote in another letter to a young guy named Timothy, kind of like Solomon's writing to a young man in, in Proverbs. Paul's writing to a young guy named Timothy. And, and Paul cares so much about the church that Timothy pastors in a place called Ephesus that he's willing to say these words. First Timothy 6, 17 says, command those who are rich in this present world. I told you, Paul commands sometimes. Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Right here, this is the key. It's been rattling around in my heart all week. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Paul says, I have no trouble telling you to live this way because I know it's for your good. And I want joy for you so much that I'm willing to command it. Being generous brings joy to us, but it also, just in time for Christmas, brings joy to the world, right? 
Come on, there's gotta be somebody laughing at that one. It brings joy to the world because as we live this way, do you hear what he said? But command you to do this so that you're, you're doing good to people all around and they experience my goodness too. See, God is always after expanding his name and his fame. So when we live generously as those who've been adopted by him and called to look like him with the family resemblance, it makes much of him and more people go, man, I need that. I wanna know this God. And they begin to cross over this paradox and they begin to find God as their own father. He brings joy through our generosity. So I wanna kinda end this um, with the recognition that this bag of generosity is full of joy. And I believe that if you will take a step today towards that, towards living more open, towards taking generous action, that you will find more joy. Maybe this is the year, 2020, for the dumpster fire that it has been. That you could, at the end of this year, go, you know what, it was tough, but I found God show up in ways when I was faithfully obedient that I never could have expected. I, I know that 2020, when we look back on it, it's gonna seem really hard, but I tell you what, I understood something about the abundance of God as I took just one small step and used the company card instead of my own. I, maybe this is the year that you go, yeah, that was tough, and when your kids ask you about it later, what was it like living through the pandemic? You're like, yeah, that was a tough year, but you know what? That's the year we adopted your sister because I chose that day to live abundantly generous with my life. What if that's the story God wants to tell instead of the one that you and I have been reading? I wanna invite you to step into that and find joy today. So to do that, I wanna just close with these same two questions. Is your next yes, does it need to be a yes to the generosity of Jesus? And a message about money might today be the day that you choose to place your life in the hands of a savior who took care of your debt. I wanna pray that in a second. And then the second thing is I wanna ask you, what's keeping you from becoming as generous as you could be? I asked myself that this question this week. What's keeping me? Is it a lack of trust in the basis and who God is? Is it I'm listening out here to all these other voices tell me to hold tight. You don't know what's coming next. What is it for you? And what might it mean for you to choose to step forward and trust today? Can you close your eyes and bow your heads and let's pray together. Father, you created us such that we experience the life you wanted when we live like you, <laughs> when we have a resemblance to our Father and to our big brother, Jesus. It's what you've intended. And you've promised us that you've got it. The world is under control, our lives are under control, and your offer, your generous offer to redeem us and adopt us as your kids, you remind us that there is nothing that we have to fear. And so I pray God today, two things first, for those that need the next step. The, the step for them is not an action at this moment, except the action to willfully place their life, Jesus, in your hands and to respond to your grace and your call for us to follow, that today that there would be those in this room and that watching online right now would do that. God, that you'd have faith just be born, just birthed in, in hearts. 
I pray that you would change the eternal trajectory of lives today because of your generosity to us. And I pray secondly, God, that, that we would, every person here, we would listen well and we would have the courage to take a step of obedience and being generous however you tell us to do it. I pray that this afternoon in conversations, in car rides home and in living rooms and kicking the ball around in the backyard and among friends over coffee, that we would use our words to generously speak life where there's been darkness and lack. And I pray, God, that that would happen. It would change relationships with parents and kids today. The places where we've only been able to, to say, and we've just missed it, but we've only said the, the disappointing things or, or said the, the phrases that sound like somebody's not living up to our expectation, God, that we could change it and we'd be generous. And like you, we would speak confidence in life. And I pray, God, for for this church that we would today in the giving, the open-handed giving of generosity to your church, God, that you would use that, you would multiply it, and that you would increase faith, and you would cause our joy quotients to go through the roof, and that this year could end by us saying, because we took one small step in response, you changed everything. God, we pray this knowing that you hear and that you act, because you've done it. Jesus, we ask these in your beautiful name, amen.